0: Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab Podcast, where we bring you the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the owner and founder of Fence Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Azar. He's the head of growth over at UserPilot. Welcome, Azar. It's a pleasure having you. I know we've talked about this, you know, in the past for a couple of times, and we finally made it happen, uh, which is very, very, you know, exciting. And uh, I did want to mention before letting uh, Azar give a little bit of intro, um, he's allowing people to use a discount code. It's going to be phantom at user pilot or phantom dash user pilot. Uh, what do you want to do for that? 10%?
1: fifty
0: percent Uh, 10%. Yeah. 10%. So 10% off. And, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about yourself Azar?
1: Yeah. Hey, so, uh, I'm the head of the growth at user pilot and, uh, I have been in the SaaS industry for the last five years. I had, I used to be a co-founder of my which I'm still part of, uh, eComply, um, And um, I've been in the industry, helped people of Silicon Valley startup as well. Um, yeah, and doing this uh, SaaS business for five years and really happy about it. What do you like most about it? That it's dynamic, that it keeps changing and it keeps you always on the toes to try new strategies and make different uh, implementation and see if it actually works. The, the best part about actually being a co-founder ahead of growth is that you know you can see the meta level picture that whatever you do affects the business and um, that's the best part about it um and also the the once you have a really good onboarded customer um this person or this customer is going to stay longer in your company and keep giving you the money over time so it, it's a business that has a compounding effect and i love the part about saas uh, that we have a compounding effect and um and we are happy to live in that specific compounding effect as well.
0: Cool. So obviously, User Pilot is very, very involved in user onboarding. And uh, so, why don't you tell us a little bit more about, you know, your thoughts on user onboarding? Why is it important? Why should people invest money in it? Uh, and and you know, what's kind of like, let's say they don't do so, like if they don't start, even if it's not with User Pilot, right? If they don't do user onboarding, what is it that essentially they're missing out on?
1: Yeah, I mean, we can, like, talk hours on this topic. I will just start first with why people should use user onboarding. So um, it directly impacts your MRR. Um, According to ProfitWell, the number, uh, if you onboard user correctly, the number is much higher. Um, That's one thing. The trial-to-paid conversion gets better. Um, Today I just had a case study with one of my customers, and uh, um, we were just looking at the numbers together, and we increased their, their... conversion rate from twenty one percent to twenty eight percent just by activating the users more um, and we also increased the number from users who were initially it was a smaller number and now fifty percent of the customers are increased are activated properly in their in their app um, and so uh, these numbers eventually impact your mrr and long term revenue and that's why you should do it so activation and free trial conversion or freemium conversion and also just like you don't have to code anymore these things, right so there's a no code movement and user palette is part of it because once you just install the app you can actually build everything on your own and you save a lot of dev cost um people have to build anyway either somebody's building through this query or they're building through hubscotch and so they're already making efforts and you don't have to make those efforts anymore and time to actually growth is higher so you can Implement faster, test faster, and move faster, and that's what currently is the SaaS is all about. In 2019, build quicker, validate, and move 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 faster. And so we are part of that. These are the reasons why you should use User Pilot. People who are not doing uh, using user onboarding software, I think a lot of users, a lot of SaaS companies. It actually depends on how complicated your software is. and for an early stage company, they might not need an onboarding software, they first need to find a product market fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but companies that have more than 5-10 buttons on their dashboard, they need to get the user's attention and that's the most important part. Mm-hmm. Facebook and other advertisers pay so much money to, to have user's attention and we, have, we, don't, we take for granted. So that's why you need to take that in place when you're actually taking them to from zero to that actually dreamland where they will do crazy stuff with your app and they become the power user. And I think a lot of initial stage companies, they can still do whatever they can save money on. But like as you scale and you want to grow from 100 to 1000 to 10,000 users, um, you might want to actually implement this and get better. Um. So what people don't do these days and that I'm telling you already because this is the secret out there and I think a lot of companies don't do that and I'm just consulting one of the companies that is in SaaS for the last three, four years. Okay. And this person is not a new person. I'm not going to give their name, but um, I'm consulting them and and I I recently realized that they have this simple email onboarding to Intercom and there is no custom event involved. What What does custom event actually means? What happens is that uh, if the user has done X, for example, you show them Y in app. Okay. So for example, if you open a Gmail account, you create a first compose email and you send the first email, sending the first email is a custom event. Okay. And if the person has done that actual event, then you show them, Hey, you can also use snooze button. You can also send it later, you know? So there are a lot, a lot of other features that you, that Gmail makes it very powerful. You can add your signature, for example, right? And these are custom events that are not being added in the journey of that specific SaaS company. And a lot of SaaS companies don't do it. We, I'm doing currently a research that how many companies actually have those custom events or custom onboarding in place. How many are doing contextual onboarding, like based on my, my own journey, my personalized journey and how many actually have some kind of checklist in place. So I'm doing this research, but what I'm already I'm aware of the fact that these companies are not doing it because there is a myth that you need to have such a good UX, the user will figure it out. Okay? And yes, for example, a product like Basecamp, you might not need an onboarding, right? It's it's so simple. Um, they're, they're in the market for so many years and they have made the project management tool very easy to do. But it's not the same with every tool and not every tool has the best UX, not every tool has the best um, way to explain the user what to do next or it's so intuitive already. So that's where you need to come in in the place and actually use the tool like the pilot to go ahead and try to be very intelligent inside the app um, to actually grow for free trial conversion and then improve retention as well at the same time. So that's one thing that people don't do. The second thing people do and do a lot and shouldn't do is having friction, right? So, there's a stat out there, you can Google it as well, um, I, will, I, I will send you the link in the show notes as well, um, that people add so many fields and forms, mm-hmm. and adding those fields and forms, just re- in, like reduces your actually conversion towards actually using the main app, the activation point. They don't do that. So, reducing the field especially when you are a very easy to use app, reducing the confirmation email and then making it that optional, really improves your conversion because the user has to go back to the other screen um, and come back. Imagine for example, if you are, let's say taking a train, right? So first you have to get out of the house, then you have to go to another train and uh, go, go to a specific station and then um, take it by a ticket and then go to a train station. Imagine now an app can do that by me sitting at home, and I just have to reach to that that train directly. So the number of steps have reduced, right? Um, as a user, as a, as a user of that train, um, this is what the SaaS companies are not doing. They're not reducing the steps. Um, also, they don't know what the activation is, like what what exactly the activation points are. Um, they say, hey, please fill the form here, add the company information here. Add the credit card here, add your send it to your teammate, or uh, share it with your friends. These are bad practices. Good practices are that you whatever you promise on your app and directly take them to the specific thing they want to do like to dreamland and um, that Dreamland could be creating the first email, um, sending a campaign, publishing a landing page button. Um, I don't know, a lot of things that could be based on your own task and that they don't do it. And I think this is what I'm learning with time and I'm about to create a user onboarding best practices article as well. And these are things that you, users have to do. And I think now the checklist is kind of becoming a norm as well. So adding a checklist tells the user not to click on those 12 buttons, only click on these three buttons that are important. Mm-hmm. And so that's where user pilot also helps and so that this is completely becoming a norm and i think more and more people will adopt um and these are things that usually SaaS don't do and we have to advise them that they should start using this
0: totally now you did mention a couple of things that i wanted to transition in there but i didn't want to interrupt you since you were just dropping value on top of value but essentially you mentioned obviously like you know when you start to scale it's when you start to like use these things because the way i see it right if you're a startup that's bootstrapped you don't necessarily have the cash or the users to even onboard to to, to need something like user pilot right so what is the sweet spot as far as like the number of customers you'd probably want your clients to have in order to actually use user pilot
1: yeah that's a very good question um so um I'm about, I'm, I'm, I'm com- coming to a conclusion. Um, once you have at least 100 users or paid users, you can start thinking about it because then you know the, how the process works and then you can scale it. Um, I have the same philosophy for email as well. Um, if you don't have 100 users, you can actually do the onboarding other than initial onboarding emails, you know, like you send them based on days and stuff. You can also do that uh, manually by looking at your account and then going and reaching out to them later on. Um, but I think hundred number is a good sweet spot where you say, "Hey, now I know how to sell. Let's let me think about how to actually scale it. Maybe they have not found a product market fit, but at least they know how to sell and how to how to make it a repeatable process." Uh-huh. Totally. And now, secondly,
0: I think it also depends on what industry you know the SaaS company is in, mostly because of the barrier, I guess, of you know information from an older generation that isn't necessarily tech savvy to having, you know, the, the, the younger generation, which is just spending time on on the computer all day or on applications and they're just used to like messing around themselves. So how do you kind of identify that, you know, whether or not you actually need um, an onboarding tool like user
1: pilot? So the one thing that you will actually see is that, um, that this is what my customer come and tell me that they see abysmal conversion rate uh, from uh, free trial to paid. Mm-hmm. They see the user are not utilizing the app as they should be. Um, they see that it's too much of work sending them manual emails and and onboarding them personally. So when it gets too much, you will know that you need a pilot. And either you hire ten salespeople. Or you who go in, look at the email, and look at the count, and look at what the user has done, and then reach out to them specifically, and then show them those specific onboarding calls. You will have too many onboarding calls instead of uh, you know like a pr- prolific or useful calls out there. Um, and then you will think, okay, maybe I can scale this um, in a certain way. So you will realize, I you, you you the SaaS founders are so tech savvy and So smart they know when they actually need something like this um, to actually scale it. So, uh, and I would just say when it becomes too much, you will know what to do next.
0: Mm -hmm. Awesome. Now you did mention before we actually hopped into the podcast, uh, a couple of different things that were working really well for you, right? User pilots growing at a tremendous rate. So why don't you just give us a little bit of insight on what it is exactly, you know, that is actually working in order to generate more customers for user pilots.
1: Yeah, um, I will give you enough so that my competitors don't know. <laughs> but uh, one thing that really works and it's out there, if you just look at my core account, um, what I'm doing is I, I'm, I'm I, there, there was this app called Find Better Questions on Product Hunt. I just mm-hmm. downloaded it. And I tried to found, find questions that have my SaaS-related questions, for example, user onboarding, product adoption, um, product management, customer success, I started answering those questions, and I'm about to make a blog about it anyway, but that's why I'm trying to share, Um, is that when you know these questions have high views and low number of answers, you have an opportunity that is an interested person looking at your question, wanting to solve the problem which is related to your product. So what I did was simply initially, at least in the beginning, I just went ahead and answered those questions. And then what I did was I, I wrote Quora physicals to something with user pilot or semicolons user, not user pilot, sorry, user onboarding. Um, and I, I tried to found out off page, off page user, off page, uh, Quora questions that I haven't answered as well, which are ranking on SEO.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I just answered those. And what I did was inside those articles, um, I, I, uh, inside those questions that I, I, I wrote them in a way that, um, that it actually helps the user. And also if I have written a blog about it, I give it in the footnotes. Okay. So if you want to read more about it, they can read here about it, uh, but they can have complete content for free, look in and solve the problem. And then right now in, in 2019, the internet marketing is all about the user and not about you. Um. So I made it about the user and the brand experience that they can actually go and answer, solve the problem. And then I have user pilot on the profile somewhere. So if, they are, if this guy has actually answered the question, maybe I can look at his profile and convert. So um, I see at least 10 conversions from Quora per month. Um, just normally. I mean. The conversions are actually paid
0: people or people just- Free, free, completely organic.
1: Whatever I've done, I have never paid anything right now. Everything is working on
0: But I mean, do they, by
1: conversion, you mean
0: these, these people signed up and became paying users?:
1: No, they, they, they saw the, the, they saw the, the answer. And they saw an answer, and then they signed up for a demo. And that's a conversion for me. Um, obviously, I, I am tracking, but I don't know exact numbers. Um, but I do look at like how people are coming. Uh, inside the app as well uh, but this is the basic number right? No, my job was to increase the traffic and increase the conversion initially so that's how I did it um, also now what I do is whenever I write a blog I try to find similar questions these days and uh, either I answer them or I myself create an anonymous question and then answer that question as well <laughs> and on top of that I asked my friends and my network to like it and afford it, so it automatically gets into the digest for people who are interested in that specific topic. Okay. And okay. this way also gets a lot of conversion as well. A lot of people looking at my post and looking at those things. I even answered. So one of my competitors is uh, WalkMe, and the question was how much. And and this is exactly happened. That customer didn't convert to paid user, but uh, he told me that, that that's how he found me the question was, how much does me charges? You know, how much do the charge, right? And I said, this is a rough number but if, since you're looking at the pricing, there are three other products like this also there. I mentioned me and my competitors as well. And really openly, right? I right. said, like, the product that you can also look at if you're looking at, because the pricing is a point where people are at the stage of decision making and they want to just look at other 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 things as well. So this is something that was working. And now I have created the next thing which I'm going to work on is now Quora has Quora space. So you can create your own space. It could be user onboarding, uh, product adoption, and it's only only shared with a couple of people. Not everybody can make a space. Um, so I have those space and I'm trying to share related content in that space. So it's like Facebook groups, but for the specific topic. And so this is my next level strategy that I'm doing is just educating people. I am part of Saster by Jason Lemkin, and I see him sharing all this content with us. And so I'm just trying to trying to see how he does it and how I can do it. And that's working for me. That was one of the strategies that I really did well, and we got we got enough traction
0: from it. That's really cool. Now, when you when when I asked the question on you know whether they were paid paid a sign up or whatever, you mentioned that you've never run any sort of paid advertising or anything like that. Is there a reason for that? Or is it that you just don't necessarily see the need for it?
1: So I do run a Facebook retargeting ad to bring them back uh, for a demo. But I think I'm not doing a good job at it right now. And this, it's simply not a priority. We have so much conversion. When I look at my Google Analytics, yeah, last, last week I saw it and I saw that uh, 50% of the people who are coming to the web for the first time are converting. Into a into, a, into a, a sign up or a demo, right? Um, and uh, that's just good enough for me right now. I'm not thinking about bringing them back and showing them different pages, which I have to do eventually. But this is something that is working. My inbound is so much working. I don't have to pay ads right now. Um, but it's in the pipeline and I should do this. I should do Facebook ads as well as the Google ads as well. Okay, very cool.
0: Now, what's been really the most challenging thing for you at user?
1: Um, there are a lot of things that are challenging, especially too much to do in too less time. Right. Um, and um, but I would say the one thing that is currently challenging is um, so. Just to give you some comparison, in my previous startup, we were like a GDPR startup, and you know, like we used to uh, sell GDPR software. No customer has actually was going was asking us, "Hey, can you make this feature for us?" In User Pilot, as a head of growth, every day. At least every day out of 20 20 people, 10 people say, hey, do you have this feature ready or not? Hey, do you have this integration there or not? Hey, uh, when this will be available? Hey, do you have this specific feature that I can use? So I think we have a huge demand of satisfying people's needs and that's the most challenging part about it. But that's the also most fun part about it that even though we don't have those things, people are still using palette. And I think there are feature creeps as well who just want to have so many things and don't want to use it. So we have to filter them down as well. Um, but yeah, this is the biggest challenge that to create features for the customers who really, really need it.
0: Okay. And how do you essentially, and I don't know if this is your role, right? But how does user pilot then, you know, I guess grade how the priority on each one of these feature requests.
1: So um, right now uh, we do not have, uh, uh, I would not say like a perfect product management process, but it's very obvious. On the sales call, it's very obvious what's the first priority. Everybody, when they talk, they say, "Hey, do you have this? Do you have this?" For example, Upspot integration is something that customers are asking since a long time, um, and so this should should be there. For example, and the analytics pro- product, for example, Amplitude and Funnel, these are very obvious because they want to understand the funnel as well. So. Um, these are pretty obvious features that I'm just telling you. I'm not telling you my own features. I'm telling you like the features that are there uh, that the people are asking for integrations, and uh, we have. It's very obvious for us what to create, and then we have a backlog in place that we actually go ahead and do it. Um, so this is the simple process, and uh, I would say that we are we are not in the stage where we, uh, that we have to create that perfect feedback loop to create those um, those uh, product management, but I think this is very obvious and a couple of people um, like Jason Freed and um, other SaaS founders who also talk about it, they are not huge fan of backlog or those product management field as well. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so I, I would just say like we are we are a bit ahead of, uh, we, uh, we are a bit behind on that thing, but we do know that how things work out and what features that people are asking for. And we have a backlog for six, eight months that we have to
0: Okay. Very cool. Now you mentioned that, you know, earlier that content was one of the things that are working the most. Is do you are you referring to you like obviously it's a it's a type of content like you answering those core questions and stuff like that. But aside from that, is it video content, articles, blog posts? What is, you know, the thing that's that you see that's giving you the most traction as far as actually
1: traffic? simply the blog content um i have just done nothing except answering the questions that are on search engine and ranking those search engine keywords that are low keyword difficulty and i can easily rank on um and um, i know that since my topic is on user onboarding i should actually create those topics You have also shared one of the blogs about i don't know which one was it product management and user onboarding something like that that product school right so what I'm doing is I'm just creating the content which is related to my topic, related to what customers might be asking us. And then looking at the keyword difficulty and creating those content based on the intent as well and based on the education and the awareness as well. And we're seeing that the conversion coming out of from them. If it's in high intent content, um, people are converting from there. And that's what I've been doing. And I'm, I'm answering the questions in a very long format, detailed format. Um, giving all the examples, data, structure, the visibility, how it should be done. And um, and in return, if they come back and if they don't want to sign up, they can always, uh, the pop-up comes in and says, hey, I'm going to share with, with you the email course on user onboarding and product adoption. And if you want to learn, give me your email, I'll send it over to you. So this, these are the couple of strategies that are working. Um, I do see that from my, from my email course, at least 10% of the people, you know, also want they sign up eventually so um yeah blog seo quora these are these are the things that are working really well and i'm just doubling down so i was i was reading a lot of different articles these days and i think i 30 percent of my job is to just not my job i would say 30 percent of my time is invested in learning about the new things um and one thing i recently learned was that um when something is working for you just double it down and that's what I'm doing doubling down what 's working for me instead of finding new channels, um, which I still have to do and eventually have to do, but once I, what, when something is working, why to stop the process and do something new right:
0: Definitely, definitely I totally hundred percent agree with that now on you know as far as you, what is one thing that you're currently trying to accomplish inside of user pilot?
1: Um, we are planning to um, have an amazing UX right now because we are a UX company. So that's something we're trying to accomplish. And uh, hopefully by the, in 30 days, we will be able to have that amazing UX and onboarding for us as well.
0: That's awesome, really cool. And uh, a little bit more on a personal level, right? And and these are questions that everybody gets. What is something that you're not very good at?
1: I am not good at, that's a very good question. You know, when you ask a generalist uh, that what you're not good at, it's very hard to pick which I'm not really good at. I would say I'm not really good at native advertising, like Outbrain and Taboola stuff. uh, I should still be good at um, because people are promoting that and they're working out. Um, This is also working for a couple of people. and So I think I'm not good at that and I would definitely would want to learn it. But this is my personal goal. So the next goal for me is to actually learn everything about advertising, and be really good at it. And um, regardless of native, Facebook, or search. Um, and I think I have the hang of it, I've tried it. And I would say native advertising, especially banner ads and retargeting ads would be my, my weakness and that I wanna improve.
0: Okay, cool. And what is something that you're really good at? Uh,
1: I came out as, as a salesperson. I started my career as a salesperson. So if you give me a brand right now and tell me to sell it, I will sell it.
0: Very cool, that's awesome. That's a really good skill to have and it's a skill that pretty much any company you go to will value, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I have to be honest. Um, Sometimes I, I kind of question myself, am I a good marketer or a good salesperson? And, oh. and usually be, a, a growth hack guy has a t, is a T-shaped marketer, right? He's a T-shaped marketer. And, um, The one thing that is missing in that growth hacker or growth marketeer is that 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 there is no salesperson in there, and I and I think there has to be a new category with guys who have been into sales and became growth marketeers. So I think I have to create this new category for for all the people who came from sales category, and so uh, this is something that we should definitely do it. Let's do it
0: right now. What what do we want to call it? Ah, okay. it's very hard, actually. Um, I would, I would rather say, I, I would say, um, growth sales hacker. Growth sales hacker. I like it.
1: Six. Yeah. It's uh, and it's it, it, it's different, you know. Usually, there's growth market here. There's a growth hacker, but there's no growth sales hacker.
0: What about just sales hacker?
1: Well, sales hackers are already there. Sales hacker are somebody who are not, uh, who are just into SDR, AE, and head of the sales road, right? But Growth growth sales hacker are somebody who are focused on growth and are also can do demos, can become SDR, can become AE, can become VP of sales as well. And so it's a I think people who are really good, good salesperson, good salespeople, they can be really good marketeers. Yeah. But a really good marketer cannot be a good salesperson. Because for a marketeer, it's all reactive. He has to do something so to, to come in back. But for a salesperson, he just has to go out in the market and hunt, and he will get it. Yep. So that's how that's how I see it.
0: Mm-hmm. Good, good insight. Cool, cool. And uh, we're getting close to the end here. And the co- last couple questions. What is your favorite SaaS company, like the one that you you know you, you find yourself looking at and you see what they're doing, and you're like, I wish I could do that. Like they're doing everything you know I want to do, essentially.
1: Yeah. So my favorite SaaS company is actually Drift, okay. and uh, it's it's great. I would say that their product is is not as great as their marketing. Um, but their marketing is amazing. I I, I keep quoting Dave, Dave I think he should give me a medal for being the biggest fan and writing about all the blogs about what he shares on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Drift has the best marketing and best way to approach growth and sales. And uh, I hope someday we can... So uh, just to give you an understanding... When we shared about user onboarding and when we shared about product adoption uh, we do share a lot of drift examples as well mm-hmm. and drift ha- drift has the trajectory of having around three hundred people or 200 more people in one year when they hired so many people and do so fast right. um, and that would be the ideal case for user pilot if i if I have to this would this is something i I, I dream of and um, ha- happens or not doesn't matter but like one company that does a really good job in marketing and selling and making uh, their customers feel great is Drift.
0: Okay, very cool. Well, I think we should definitely get his attention. And so when when we post this, we'll make sure that we tag him, and uh, hopefully he can see that. So that'll be that'll be cool to see what he has to say about it.
1: Well, he's on on vacation these days. I have actually created a user on putting tear down on Drift, and he hasn't responded to that. So <laughs> the whole <laughs> Drift team is my friend, except Dave Kevhart um So I have to wait for it if he responds to that.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, we'll hopefully we get the response from him. Like I said, we'll we'll tag him on here. Say like, hey, we we dropped a couple of notes on here for you, and uh, I think he'll he'll definitely check it out. So that will be cool. And uh, yeah.
1: where can people find you online, Azar? So um I'm kind of helping other startups at the same time. Uh, so you can just Google me azarshad.com. So I have my own website as well. But that's something that's just kind of a hobby, but not. Uh, not a not a kind of a full time thing. It just I I like helping other startups SaaS companies, um, but they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, just find A A Z A R A L I Azra D will find me uh, at Twitter A-A-Z-A-R-S-H-A-D. Um and yeah, and feel free to reach out. Happy to help people out with onboarding, without onboarding growth, UX, anything which is which comes in these these topics or sales even. Um, to help you out because I've done this before and
0: um, now I have a hang of it. Very cool, awesome. So there you have it. If you want to reach out to Azar, he gave you all the info. We'll post it on the description also. And uh, Azar, last question: Do you have any questions for me?
1: Well, um, I, I would I would just love to understand uh, how SAS Ad Lab thinks about onboarding because I have seen that you guys are promoting user onboarding as well. And if you are, have you helped somebody out as well?
0: Uh, to be honest, that's not one of our focuses. We do, in a way, use paid advertising to help user onboarding. And we can definitely have a different conversation on that. But, you know, since we focus on paid advertising and you're driving massive amounts of traffic to all these, you know, SaaS company websites and all these things, there's very little use for all that traffic and all those signups if you're not able to actually retain them. So one of the reasons why we push user onboarding so much is because of that same reason, right? if you're going to be spending money on, on getting traffic to your website and actually getting people to sign up, you want to make sure that they're able to have the best experience possible when they actually do so. So that's, that's, I guess the, the short answer for that. Right.
1: Yeah. Makes sense. And why did you start this podcast?
0: I started the podcast to meet with people like you to learn more. Uh, I'm very passionate about the industry and I, I, to be honest, I didn't necessarily know how I was going to get in front of people. And uh, I figured you know, if, 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 if I create a podcast and I give them an ability to one showcase their product and secondly like be able to share their stories and what they're doing and you know different things and, and essentially help other people out in the same place then that's a way to kind of bring them in to to want to provide that sort of value to others
1: cool makes sense it's a good strategy actually
0: yeah it's, it's been great so far so um thank you czar again so much for the interview i know it's late for you over in germany but i appreciate your time uh, of the day to be on here with me i think you you gave a lot of really valuable information so people will be able to get a lot of answers to questions on here and if not you'll probably see an anonymous question somewhere in quora uh that Azar will answer <laughs> cool
1: cool right. thanks man thank you. Happy, happy to be here
0: and uh, we'll see you around Azar.
1: indeed we'll see you around